Chapter Twenty Eight of Neighbours by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I'm awfully proud of you, Hoddy dear," declared Mrs. Hobbs as she set a platter containing three lamb chops, fried after the American fashion, before her son. "You've nothing to be proud of, Mother," her son said gloomily. "Oh, if you ain't dyed in the wool, British." clear to the backbone hoddy complained mrs hobbs you'd ought to remember you're half american he narrowed his eyes at the rapidly cooling chops why don't you eat your dinner hoddy inquired his mother returning to the table after a trip to the gas range with a dish of potatoes also fried and exuding grease my if you could hear my customers talk about you damn glad i can't don't listen to them mother and for god's sake don't brag about me i can't stand it i don't see why you should be so cross about it hoddy soothed his mother setting a glass of jelly in convenient proximity to her son's plate try some of this nice rhubarb gel miss sadie scrimger brought it over a purpose for you she's a real pretty girl hoddy and she says everybody in town is talking about your brave acts at the explosion i shouldn't wonder if you had a medal presented for saving life he choked wordlessly over a fragment of bread which he was in the act of swallowing his face was crimson as he set down his glass of water they're talking about a carnegie medal pursued mrs hobbs complacently and mrs obed salter says her husband was at the town meeting last night and your name was brought up prominently for goodness sake hoddy what's the matter her son had pushed back his chair from his untasted meal oh, don't you like your chops cooked that way inquired his mother solicitously your father always said i couldn't cook a chop decent he had his notions and i guess you got yours hoddy sometimes i almost wish i'd married an american british ideas is so odd but when i think of that young man shut up in jail for blowing up the plant and of the disgrace and all his poor mother has to stand i can't help feeling proud of my boy and glad he ain't got german blood i should think you'd feel real happy over it hoddy instead of being so down in the mouth you can't eat your victuals don't go yet i got a nice apple pie for dessert one of my customers brought it in when she came for her fitting she thinks you're just great hoddy he turned from the door his hat jammed over his eyes i'm going out he said abruptly don't wait supper for me mother but when he reached the street he paused uncertainly not observing the eager approach of a lady attired in black and white checks her hat poised at a coquettish angle over one eye it was miss electa pratt and she literally pounced upon the unobservant young man oh mr hobbs i'm so glad i have an opportunity of congratulating you in person italicized miss pratt it was so awfully noble of you i am sure not many young men would do anything so grand risking your life and all as i was telling auntie 
perhaps you didn't know but since dear mamma passed away i've the sweetest auntie in the world chaperoning me that noble mr hobbs i says to auntie m ought to have a laurel wreath and i've a good mind to make one for him myself it'd be awfully becoming don't you know and miss electa giggled coyly with the conviction that she had said something peculiarly english kitchener hobbs regarded the disturber of his solitude with stern self-control madam said he with a frowning dignity which miss electa later described as perfectly fascinating don't you know i beg that you will do nothing of the sort i'm not entitled to a laurel wreath nor to your distinguished praise with that he whipped off his hat and strode away before the lady could devise a valid excuse for detaining him he had definitely made up his mind where he was going and he marched towards his objective point with all the courage needed to face a storm of shrapnel it was horatio herbert kitchener with a very small admixture of hobbs who presently met madeleine desaye walking slowly along all sweet colour gone from her face her slight figure sagging like a slim birch tree under the bitter assault of the north wind kitchener hobbs halted her with a peremptory gesture where are you going he demanded home she replied but the word was an irrepressible sob what's the matter with you was his succeeding inquiry but he thought he knew she was mute before his searching gaze you know i love you he said sternly she looked up her eyes unnaturally big and dark i'm reminding you of this because i need some sort of excuse of course there isn't any he paused to kick a pebble out of his path me i love harry she quavered piteously you know harry she choked a slender hand at her throat i call him le noir just for funny harry he likes that name le noir mais now i have large tristesse to myself because i make that funny he was gazing at her his grey eyes full of the sadness she had confessed madeleine he said slowly after today you will never see me again but before i go he stopped short further utterance suddenly impossible rain began to fall from the low hanging clouds i mustn't keep you standing here he said hurriedly i'm rather a rotten sort of bounder what i called schwartz that night and afterward but I, i'm sorry in time i'm going there now to the inquiry i mean do you understand me i'm afraid i can't speak decent french today she nodded all persons speak like pretty kettle of fish everybody mad to harry have you been there at the hearing oh no monsieur miss malvina she say so i am wait at corner me you should have told them how he got his name le noir my father not permit he say to me go home madeleine immediatement me i am make quick track the cold drops on her cheeks reproached him poignantly see here he said in a firm voice perhaps i've no right to be taking things into my own hands but we've got to put up a stiff fight to save him now 
they're all against him and the police have worked out a bloody chain of circumstantial evidence come on to him she breathed a faint colour staining her cheeks the preliminary hearing necessary to a formal indictment of heinrich schwartz accused of wilfully causing the destruction of the merck's munitions plant was drawing to a close the evidence against the accused had been strong his defence weak he had obtained employment under the alias le noir for the express purpose of concealing his german name this much the prisoner had confessed but so far after the most rigid examination continued throughout one entire night the accused had stubbornly refused to divulge the names of his associates in crime there was little doubt that the government detectives would during the course of the trial succeed in unearthing a sinister far-reaching plot which would involve persons of the highest standing the prisoner schwartz it was plain was merely a tool in an august hand this much the reporters had added to copious reports of the proceedings to be hastily licked into shape for the evening papers when two persons entered the crowded courtroom the magistrate a local official rather dazed by the spotlight of publicity thus suddenly focused upon him was about to pronounce the words which would condemn the prisoner to the long torture of a trial by jury with no uncertain outcome it was evident the magistrate had no doubt of the prisoner's guilt calvin s northrop counsel for the accused kept his own private convictions well hidden under a mask of frowning silence he had made up his mind to prove his client insane and having thus determined mr northrop rather resented the intrusion of fresh evidence insisted upon by the two persons before mentioned when they had forced their way through the crowd the bunched reporters simultaneously noted the beauty of the girl and the stern good looks of the young man who accompanied her the associated press photographer slipped a fresh plate into position while the usual legal preliminaries were in progress the girl was permitted to testify first oui monsieur i am acquainted with harry schwartz oh, for a long time i call him le noir when to my father i present him oh, me i make of schwartz one french name you understand no my father hate all such ugly german name as schwartz very ugly you see me i like harry so easy as roll from log i quick translate schwartz very dark what you call black like night le noir you see oui monsieur harry he likes that nice french name better than schwartz i give him that name he like it no monsieur i not tell my father such a funny joke not for a long time my father he is very mad to german we are of alsace monsieur informed that the accused had already confessed to adopting the name lenoir in order to obtain employment at the merck's plant mademoiselle desay blushed very sweetly me i am aware she said harry he like to earn money to make a house you know what is to make house for marry the reporters were writing like mad even the solemnly important magistrate smiled he had once built a house for his bride his next question brought the quick blood to the prisoner's face 
but madeleine answered it with sweet composure oui monsieur harry he like to marry me myself i, I explain to you harry he call himself le noir to earn quick simoleon for home a fine elegant word home me i like to live in some nice home of harry her glance at the prisoner was the merest flicker of long lashes but it carried with it the sweetest assurance the associated press artist was recording impressionistic sketches as fast as his nimble pencil would work featuring madeleine de say as she gave her deliciously quaint testimony which entirely exonerated the accused from inventing the french alias for some sinister purpose of the beautiful french girl taking her seat beside the weeping mother of the prisoner of the piquant profile of the witness with its delicately tip-tilted nose and the bewitching curve of lips and chin he paused only for a deliberately appraising look at the young englishman who succeeded mademoiselle de say upon the stand some name murmured the nearest reporter as he inscribed the hieroglyphs representing horatio herbert kitchener hobbs upon his pad mr hobbs told his story baldly i saw the accident he stated a girl in the filling shed dropped a wire hairpin as she left the place it somehow landed on the belt of the motor-driven shaft there was a spark it caused the explosion schwartz wasn't near the place i saw him in the yard fifty feet or more away two minutes before the explosion he's innocent when asked why he had not come forward with this important bit of testimony before hobbs bit his lips and turned noticeably pale i see no reason why you should ask that question he said stiffly i was not called as a witness what i have told you is god's truth what more do you want after all the magistrate was human so were the lawyers and the reporters and the rest including the artist there was a rigid cross-examination of course on the part of the prosecution establishing certain technical points but in the end the testimony of horatio herbert kitchener hobbs stood as the witness stepped down from the stand Monsieur de say who stood with folded arms looking on at the scene observed that he cast a single quick glance at madeleine but he did not attempt to speak to her his face was sternly controlled as he replied monosyllabically to the questions showered upon him by the reporters there were those who declared that the young englishman refused to further enlighten the representatives of the press and that he bolted from the room without so much as a word to the man he had saved but in the light of later events the conduct of kitchener hobbs earned him not even a nine days wonder being out of sight in those days was tantamount to being swiftly forgotten and no one in innisfield except perhaps the station-master at the departure of the evening train ever set eyes upon young hobbs after he left the court-room it was generally known on the following day that the hobbses had left town nobody appeared to know where they had gone the sign bearing the words madame louise robes swung fitfully in the wind for perhaps a week longer then one day it was taken down and replaced by another presenting to the public eye the advantages to be derived from a visit to the skilled chiropodist one flight up and yet the disappearance of the american mrs hobbs and her son who was a british subject was merely a logical sequence of preceding events 
Mrs. Hobbs was busily engaged in draping a lay figure with voluminous folds of mustard-coloured voil when her son tramped heavily up the stair. Without a glance at his mother, he sat down in a chair by the table, where the neglected dinner still sojourned amid its congealed grease. Oh, "'For goodness sake, Hoddy!' exclaimed Mrs. Hobbs, removing a quantity of pins from between her teeth. "'You wouldn't eat your dinner when it was nice and hot, and now—' He turned his head slowly and looked at her. Mrs. Hobbs was a commonplace person, with limited powers of insight and imagination, but not even the dullest woman could have gazed upon that tragic young face without a stirring of the emotions. Mrs. Hobbs dropped the mustard-coloured stuff, while her scissors, hung by a cord about her neck, clashed noisily against the earthenware teapot as she leaned across the table. "'Hoddy!' she cried. "'What's happened? Are you sick?' Then she ran to him and took his comely head in her arms. "'Hoddy!' she whispered. "'What is it? Tell mother.' He turned and buried his face on her shoulder. "'Oh, mother!' he groaned. "'I'm so bloody miserable!' But she couldn't be made to understand the cause of his unhappiness, even after he'd honestly tried to tell her everything. "'Why, Hoddy,' she said, "'I don't see why you should feel so bad over it. "'You haven't done anything to be ashamed of. "'You was a real hero at the fire, Hoddy. "'Everybody says so. "'Lots of folks would have been killed if it hadn't been for you. "'And you say they let that Swartz fellow off "'after you went of your own accord and told. "'I think it was real noble of you.' The blood rushed to his temples and hammered there. "'You can never see,' he choked. "'It must be because you're—' He swallowed the words with an effort. Oh, "'But, Hardy dear, I wish you'd try and be sensible for once, and—' He fetched a deep breath. "'If you'd ever call me by my name,' he murmured, despair in his voice. She looked at him sharply. "'You mean you don't like I should call you Hoddy?' she said. "'Why, I've always called you Hoddy since you were a baby.' "'My name,' he went on unsteadily, "'is Horatio Herbert Kitchener, "'and I've allowed a man to go to jail because I was jealous. "'Does that convey anything to your mind? "'I meant to let him go to prison, or to death, "'anything to get him out of my way.' I'm a liar, with that name. I'm a coward, with that name. I'm a murderer, with that name. Oh, my God, mother. Mrs. Hobbs sank weakly into a chair and mopped her eyes with the breadth of the mustard-coloured stuff. In the silence, broken by his hard, wrenching sobs, she went back over the brief story of his life. It seemed to her scarcely more than a year or so since he was a little, little boy playing with his tops and marbles. He always had such beautiful eyes and his hair was like silk to the touch. She found herself touching it now, almost timidly. Hoddy, she said close to his ear, I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to hold you back any longer, from the war, I mean. I'll go with you, Hoddy. 
you can enlist as soon as we get home i guess maybe you ought to after all and having thus made the supreme renunciation she was equal to what followed end of chapter twenty eight